Hello, and welcome to Beyond Japan, an interdisciplinary podcast that looks at the broad reach of Japanese studies from within and beyond Japan. This podcast is brought to you by the Center for Japanese Studies at the Sainsbury Institute for the Study of Japanese Arts and Cultures, in collaboration with the University of East Anglia. I'm your host, Oliver Moxon, academic associate at the Sainsbury Institute, Darwin Scholar, and Archaeology PhD student at the University of Cambridge, researching language and interpretation at Japanese war heritage sites. Today we are joined by Chie Kutsuwada, UK-based manga artist, to discuss Japanese comics as art and the global spread of the genre's art style and readership. Chie and I look at what separates manga from other comic styles, the appeal to recurring themes found in the genre, and the escapism that it provides. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, good morning Chie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. So first of all, we'd like to know a bit more about you. Can you tell us about your area of expertise and how your interests have brought you there? Okay. I'm Japanese-born manga artist. Manga is, well, direct translation is Japanese comic. And uh, I was born and bred in Japan. And then I moved to the UK and studied several things. And in the end, I went to the art college, Central uh, St. Martin's and Royal College of Art, but somehow ended up making a kind of popular culture, the kind of king of popular culture, manga. And I do create my own story and illustrate it, or I quite often collaborate with authors and illustrate their script, or I just do some manga style illustrations as well. So how I came here in this position is, first of all, as I said, I was born and bred in Japan. And if you are born in Japan, you cannot avoid the influence from manga culture because they are everywhere. And quite often, many kids in Japan try to draw manga style when they were young. And then some stop doing it when they grow up and some just continue, and some are quite good at it. And then I, luckily, I was one of the one who uh, was quite good at it. But I didn't actually continue drawing. It was quite, not recent, but I started drawing manga style after I graduated from my MA. And um, I was... Well, it was a little big, there was a big thing at my uh, graduation show of my MA degree. There were three different exhibitions, graduation exhibitions. And then I talked with a lot of people. And then I was so, so impressed by the fact that the young people showed me interest in my work graduation work. My graduation work is not manga, but it was like deeply influenced by uh, manga, TV games, and and that kind of pop culture thing. So I just wanted to communicate more with younger generation, younger generation who shares my like similar interest or similar problem of life and that kind of things. I just wanted to communicate with them. And I just thought manga should be the 
best way to do it, and which is also my childhood passion. So that's how I started creating it. Yeah. I see. Fascinating. So let's begin by trying to define manga. The term literally means comic drawing, used in Japan since the late 19th century to refer to all comics, not just Japanese ones. But it is now globally used to refer to a distinct style of Japanese comics. What are the core elements of Japanese manga? This is very, very big question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think manga is what manga is, is very difficult to define. Um, nowadays, if I can be totally, totally honest, I can just say manga is comics made in Japan and also all the comics even made outside of Japan if they are influenced by Japanese comic manga is manga. So it's a kind of, you know, core elements of Japanese. This is all my personal, personal opinion. And then there might be more people who research on it, like, you know, other scholars. But as a manga artist, I think many manga tend to follow characters' emotion thoroughly. Well, I, I know other comics outside of Japan, they do, but I think that Japanese manga tend to do more concentration on that part, even though the theme of, for example, one manga is like fighting or like a battle, not only the protagonist, but all the characters' feelings are quite often described in detail. And then the technique of how to show the emotion is, I think it's quite unique in Japanese manga. What I mean is, like, for example, manga style has a quite rich in facial expression, the variation of it. And also, we sometimes put the clothes up of the body part. For example, a hand grabbing to show the character's movement of the emotion, just grab the hand quite tightly, you know, just close up with the hand. So we kind of try to use a lot of different techniques to enhance that things. And also, it's not only about manga, but as a language, Japanese has a lot, a lot of onomatopoeia. So Japanese manga tend to use a lot of them. And the onomatopoeia, again, enhance the situation. And then if you understand all the onomatopoeia you see on the manga, you kind of automatically know the situation, atmosphere of the scene, that kind of things. Also, I think how we use background, it's quite unique as well. I mean, usually background is something to explain where the character is. Well, sometimes it's poetry, blank, white background, if it suits the mood. And also we kind of do quite um, abstract images or, or kind of mixture of writing with atmospheric fog kind of drawing or even flowers or uh, sparkles or that kind of things behind the character to express how character is feeling 
what kind of emotion that character is having on that scene. And then also there are speed lines kind of background, which is, you can see it, you know, not only manga, but everywhere. But I think it's quite rare to see that kind of background, which had some abstract, half abstract, half uh, not abstract images just to show the character's feeling. And also um, in manga, quite often, there are kind of quite variation of speech bubbles and thought bubbles. Sometimes there are three or more different things. I mean, text is going on at one page, like the protagonist is saying using speech bubble, thinking by using thought bubble, and also remembering something from the past. And also there is a kind of little poem or something to express the situation. So we, uh, that kind of uh, variation is, I think it's quite unique. But on the other hand, there are not many narrative and narration kind of text, which is quite explanational one. I think we don't have that kind of text that much in manga. Well, I'm not talking about every single manga is like this, but quite often it's I think it's the case. Yeah, it's it's difficult to speak in broad terms about something that's that's so diverse. So thank thank you for highlighting those core aspects for us. One element that I'm, I'm curious about is the uh, is, is common themes on like of uh, like settings for stories in manga. One of the other, the most common, um, is tends to be the high school environment, and I've always been kind of curious as to why that that that, that keeps recurring so often. And in many different situations, you get high schools set in zombie apocalypses or uh, you know in space, or but there's always like the high school theme. And how do you explain that? Ooh, I think it's just an original, original target for those manga teenagers, mainly. But the thing is, somehow, all the grown-ups read. And then, so I think it's just, uh, uh, especially the, the very popular ones, which translated broadly on the uh, manga specialized magazine and that magazines are usually targeting on teenagers so that's why high school theme is i think you you can feel that there are a lot of high school themes but there are a lot of um business man stories or you know so it's a it's really kind of just related to who is reading that's what I think. Sure. Yeah. And I guess the interesting thing is how, even though manga has become so globally popular, mm-hmm. the Japanese high school and the Japanese Saturday man are now, you know, they're, they're still quite common tropes in, in manga mm-hmm. stories. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's an also manga story is kind of focused on ordinary people. And then most of us, at least we, go to school at one point in our life or work. So I think there's a the setting such as junior high or high school or uh, office work is quite uh, most common things which 
we can easily share as an experience. Maybe that's another reason why a lot of manga artists and editors choose that settings. Yeah, definitely. So having done my undergraduate in Japanese studies, many of my classmates first encountered Japanese culture through manga and its animated predecessor anime. As a manga artist, how do you explain this global appeal? Mm, another big question. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think it is related to what I just said about how many people can relate to that characters in manga. And then, so many people can see themselves in the protagonist or other characters in manga. That is quite often. And then, so, and also, um, it is difficult. I've been thinking about this, but quite often manga, especially that theme which usually picked up by manga, is not too serious, but you can still relate kind of situation. And uh, you mentioned that zombie apocalypse in high school. Zombie apocalypse part is not too serious, but fantasy kind of exciting part, but high school part you can relate. So that balance is quite good in a way, uh, because I've been thinking manga is working as an escape pod from reality, but um, it's not total fantasy. You can still see yourself, or you can still see your problem in, you know, reflect on your reflection on that characters in manga but still you can kind of have a fun to explore the totally fantasy world of like uh, ninja fighting or uh, zombie apocalypse or that kind of thing so I think that there is a kind of very unique balance of it and then also there are kind of all the, not all, I would say, uh, many manga has a lot of layers of, different layers of uh, depth. If you want to just enjoy, let's say, ninja fighting, you can. But if you want to, you know, want to grow up with the main character, you can. So it's kind of different layers. And um, this is, well, I'm saying very big thing, but it's just my personal uh, opinion. But I think manga is also surprisingly genderless in a way. I don't know why, but, you know, because it's traditionally Japanese manga has a genre called shoujo and shonen and then ladies comic and also uh, uh, seinen comic, manga. And then Shoujo manga means girls manga, girls comic, and shonen manga means boys, teenage boys comic. So we have a like, quite strong gender dividing as a genre, but it's still, especially shonen genre, shonen manga genre, it's appealing to anybody. It doesn't matter if the reader, if the reader is a female or male. 
and then a lot of uh, and then also the creators are so mixed you know some of them are male creators and some of them are female creators and then manga business in general i've heard there are uh, almost half of the manga creators are female. So there are something appealing for even for female who is not like interested in other comic format. And also there is at least one manga which will reach you if you are, you know, not like typical uh, comic readers so i cannot explain really clearly but that's do you do you understand what i meant yeah yeah i do so it sounds like uh the general appeal of manga is that you have uh these relatable characters with relatable problems in abstract settings for that bit of escape yeah yeah So uh, to look at the, the the artist process of it a bit more, um, traditionally manga is black and white, originally produced uh, a product of tight deadlines and even tighter printing budgets. Uh, as an artist who produces both monochrome and fantastically coloured manga, what effects does colour have on not just the production process, but the storytelling? Well, uh, first of all, uh, people should know, I haven't done serious manga in color so uh, it is a kind of really difficult question but i think there should be some effect on storytelling as well the monochrome one and colorful one they work differently obviously to create especially to create a whole mood and then I'm not sure if it's directly related to storytelling, but uh, first one, first of all, personally, my favorite color palette is pop or vivid pastel, not soft pastel. So it suits my, for example, my uh, my manga illustrated column. I did, I've done I've done series of uh, illustrated column for Japanese newspaper, and which is about uh, what I found interesting or funny or exciting about the UK or how how I live in the UK, and then that is kind of quite pop and comic comical creation. So that's and I made those series in full color and it works worked really well because my favorite color scheme it's kind of fit in the mood of the uh, whole series and so i have to think about that kind of thing when i'm using color and also i think i need to control the amount of information in order to make sure, I mean, amount of information per page or per per story, and in order to make sure that leaders can focus on what I want them to focus. And then as colors uh, information, in visual information, I have to kind of very careful 
how much colors I should put. Does it really need or does it really suit or also or, uh, does it, if it, and then does it not obstruct people's focus or concentration? That kind of little things. So I don't know I'm, if it's related to storytelling, but that's what I thought when you asked this question. I see. Thank you. Uh, so from a recent episode looking at the 19th century artist Kawanabe Kyosei, we see an historical precedent in Japan for combining refined artistic skill with humor for popular consumption, something which for me seems to separate manga from uh, my understanding of comics more generally. While there are certainly some highly artistic comics out there, the general standard of artistic quality for manga seems to be much higher with incredible detail, as you've mentioned earlier. Would you agree with that? And if so, how do you explain this phenomenon? Mm, this is very, very interesting question. Well, I think, to begin with, I think general standard of artistic ability is slightly higher in maybe not in Japan only, but anywhere which use ideographic letters. Because it means ideographic, for example, Japan used the Chinese characters and then two other kind of alphabet kind of things, phonetic uh, letters. And then to learn kanji, Chinese character, you, not only you have to remember the meaning, but you have to remember the, the form of it. It's quite complicated. You have to remember. So that to remember how to draw kanji means you have to kind of, you have to be able to draw something. It's almost like a drawing. It's not like a mm. lighting. And then I've heard that, using kanji stimulates some brain part which is quite similar to when you're drawing yeah. uh, similar yeah it's, it's kind of similar things so i've heard generally speaking uh, many japanese can draw even if it's not very good but you know most of them can i'm not most but a lot of them are okay to draw something very simple we have like maybe different starting point maybe mm. so that's why um uh, that is the only reason i can think of but also i'm not totally agree with what you just said about general standard of artistic quality for manga seems to be much higher it is partly i agree with you but um not all the great manga holds high artistic quality i mean that i what i meant is you don't have to have a high drawing skill to create good manga and um there are some uh Drawing is not that perfect, but the story is so great. And for example, 
how they show how story goes is great. But well, for example, the anatomically correctness of, for example, characters are not that good. You know, that kind of things always happens. So manga is not only about drawing skill, but also we have a kind of certain high standard, not only manga, but generally Japanese people, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's, it's just my personal impression about it. Sure. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, there are some manga out there which try to make fun of this uh, very mm-hmm. generally quite high standard. Um, mm. I mean, I wasn't, I wouldn't call myself a, a, a diehard manga fan, but you can't mm-hmm. really do Japanese studies and avoid it that much. So I've, mm. uh, I don't know if you're familiar with One Punch Man, uh, One Punch Man. Oh, um, yeah. Now the main protagonist, uh, well, everyone else around him is drawn in incredibly high details ways yeah. as normally is. He's drawn in these quite crude lines yeah. <laughs> as a I, direct contrast. <laughs> yeah. You know, that the artist, I mean, creator of One, uh, artist of One Punch Man, he is a famous for high, high drawing skill. He's very, very famous for that. So he's controlling everything. And then, you know, it's, I think everyone who writes manga, they agree he is famous for his skill of drawing. So that's, a, that's really funny. But for example, uh, do you know Attack on Titan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is a very popular po- uh, manga series and it's become a, even live action uh, films or even the very popular anime series. But the first episode, the drawing is actually not that good, to be honest. And then the, it, is, it, is, it is kind of common knowledge if you know that, that series, because he, the creator, the manga artist of Attack on Titan, was uh, refused by a lot of publishers because his drawing skill was not high enough. But one of the editor who thought that but he's got potential or as a storyteller, not a drawer, you know, not a uh, visual creator. And so the editor actually gave the manga creator a chance. And then I let an interview of them. And then the Attack on Titan creator told that told us that uh, there was one thing which he had to make sure that had a big, big, big impact, which was the, the first appearance of the gigantic, the huge titan. And then it was two-page spread, I think, that it was scary. Really, really scary. And it's kind of had a big impact. And then everybody was grabbed. That's why it's become very popular. But if you check all other characters, for example, facial expression or anatomical thing about the figure, it's not like if you compare with other creators, it's quite not good. But as he continues, his drawing skill is getting better and better and better. And now it's quite cool. But so it's, that kind of things happen. That is the kind of I I found that it's really great thing about manga. Uh, so 
Lastly, I'd like to ask about the capacity of manga to explore intimacy and sexuality. You only need to think of superheroes like Wonder Woman to know that sexual themes aren't unique to manga, but there seems to be a broad range of subgenres dedicated to exploring sexual identity, uh, in particular non-heteronormative ones such as yaoi and BL or boys love. Is this a product of the manga medium, Japanese culture, internet culture, or all of the above? Oh, yes, this is, I would say it's, it is a product of the Japanese society and then Japanese culture. It doesn't have to be a manga medium only because we have a lot of novels, yao and bio novels as well. And then it is coming. Uh, it came from the basically most of the of, uh, came from the so called in English so called thrush culture, thrush fan art, create you know thrush novel kind of things. It, and then so it's kind of people make a kind of parody manga or parody novel based on existed popular comics or manga or comics or something and um, it is very interesting culture I think and then I quite like this genre and then I was like wondering why it's so popular and why I like it and then the unique thing about yaoi and bl and oh, boys rub is that most of the I think almost all of the creators for this genre are female and they are making those genre for female mainly female readers there is a male gay a male gay manga genre by male gay manga creators but those yaoi and so-called yaoi and bl are created by female for female readers so which is kind of big big uh, things I, I might need a more time to talk about it but it's <laughs> a, yeah it's a i think it's kind of uh, how female are in japanese society we are kind of quite suppressed and then uh, in society and then we are kind of leveled you know what is the good girl good girl should do that kind of thing it's 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 for everybody you know i understand the male has that kind of similar problem but to girls it's quite strong and then so the good girl should go school after the graduation, maybe work two or three years, find a good man, get married, have a kids, and then support husband. It's a kind of ideal way of female life in Japan. It's changing, but it is still. And then we, I think some of us are not suitable for that kind of life. <laughs> <laughs> And then, but some of us are also 
feel a bit of uncomfortable about it, but just follow the layer kind of life. And then we kind of, sometimes we um, fed up with like heterosexual love romance things because which is not like that in real life, but we still want to romance enjoy romance so we need a slight detachment from ourselves that's why i think female creators uh instead of heterosexual couple him female readers take gay male couple to express the romance and um, sexual identities or that kind of thing so it's a kind of slight detachment why I think this is quite popular. And then um, internet culture definitely help to gain more wider range of uh, creators for this genre and then also fans for this genre. But when this kind of movement started, there was no internet at all. So it's more like internet is not, maybe directly related, but it's more like about, I think it's about society. But some people doesn't like that kind of idea. They just want to believe that they just like this kind of uh, heart something romance. But it's, it's a difficult area to talk about. Well, there are a lot of discussion and I'm, I'm really keen on what other people said. What do you think? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I agree that there is definitely, you can see this in other parts of Japanese uh, society and culture. I mean, one of our earlier episodes in the first series uh, looked at dance escorts, for example, which appeals to that similar fantasy of an alternative ideal male figure, I guess, for romantic relationships. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. That, that is a, definitely the one. Uh, ideal, alternative, ideal male partner with me but not detached from myself like that's why the ideal male partner's partner is male because it's not me but part of it's part of me that kind of things and also it's a kind of ideality and also detachment mm -hmm. from the reality the element of escapism. Combined together. Yeah, escapism as well. Yeah. I like those escapism. We need that. Yeah, everyone needs a little bit of that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I guess um, you, you're mentioning how like, the grievances of the pressures of being a modern woman in Japan mm -hmm. uh, is a factor behind these genres. Um, but I guess that's also something that is relatable to a lot of women around the world. So that, mm. that, that also explains the, the global appeal, I suppose, and exactly. how the internet has facilitated it, you know, the, the yeah. to Yeah, definitely. Audience. Yeah, 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 definitely. And as the, the, our real life is getting busier and busier and more and more competitive, not maybe only female, but we need more escape pot and then we need more detachment from the reality maybe that's uh, also related to the popularity of manga and also the yaoi bl genre as well mm -hmm. yeah definitely well thank you for answering all of my questions Chi. it's been a fascinating episode uh before we finish up could you share with us what other projects you're currently working on 
Okay. Um, I am at the moment working on a new book, a new co uh, collaboration with Julian Cedric, who is the author of the Tsunami Go, which was out last year and then was nominated to quite a lot of young adult book prizes. Thank you. And <laughs> uh, so for this new book, um, the last book, Tsunami Go, I was just, not just, but I was uh, responsibility for the manga part, but uh, Julian created the script and then I kind of comicalized that part. But for this new book, I am not only illustrate, but also I am taking a part of creating story as well. So, and then it will be out next year. And then it's a big book about well, it's kind of comical, but cultural, and then a lot about Japanese folklore, ghost, yoga, that kind of things. It's fun, fun book, but it's kind of very big book. So we are doing researching and then discussion about stories, and then I'm busy to designing all the characters. So that is my main concern at the moment. Great. I will look forward to seeing those when they come out. Yes. Thank you for joining me again today, Chie. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. You can find a link to Chie's website in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe on japaninnorwich.org or on your preferred podcast provider for updates on new episodes. You can also get in touch to recommend topics for the podcast at o.moxham at sainsbury-institute.org. For our next episode, I'll be joined by Luke Edgington-Brown, PhD in archaeology from the University of East Anglia, to discuss the role of archaeology in creating national histories. We hope you'll join us then. Thank you for listening.